It's the end of the world as we know it, and I don't think any of us feel fine. Welcome back to the AfterBuzz TV Voltron Legendary Defender After Show. Tonight we are talking about episodes 5 and 6 from season 8, The Grudge and Genesis. We are looking at the space-time continuum, time slippage, and whether or not you can truly socialize with people. Um, yeah, we are going to take a look at that. We'll see you after the opening, and team, it's time to form Voltron. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz <laughs> Nothing like doing a bait and switch for the opening song. Oh, I love it, though. It's, it's so, so good. Good. There's, there's something about ES Posthumous that's just apocalyptic music. And nothing better than Pompeii for that. Yeah, I feel like this, I think this is more fitting for the second episode than it is the first, but it's, oh, it's, it's very fitting nonetheless. It definitely is, and considering where we leave the second episode, this just, put this as my soundtrack. The Voltron music is beautiful, but put this as my soundtrack anyway. This and Muse, for sure. <laughs> th yeah, this, Muse, Rise Against. Ooh, love to hear your Voltron fan fan tracks like i don't know if people still do that but creating fan soundtracks do. please you know send what? it our way yeah let's get to that in a minute in the meantime let's start us off we are the voltron after buzz tv after show we are looking at season eight episodes five and six the grudge and genesis and with me i have green lion megan salinas hey everyone and i am black lion katie cullen and it is just the two of us we are the only people who made it through the white hole tonight uh yeah everybody else is still stuck on orion that's yeah, kind of a bummer. They're they're doing their best, but um, it's a little awkward. <laughs> so yeah, we are going to get this ball rolling. And as always, we have a little housekeeping to start off. Uh, we are only talking about season eight up through episodes five and six. I don't see us dropping a spoiler warning for the rest of the season tonight. So keep the hashtag clean. Keep the live chat clean. Keep the comments clean. Don't spoil people who are watching along with us because... I know people are, and I salute you. I have no idea how you've managed to last this long, but we will not spoil you here. And as usual, the uh, the rule for the Tavern of Lions is be nice or get out. Everyone has opinions. I'm very certain that you can express your opinions in a good, respectful manner. And if you can't do that, we're going to ban you from the channel. Because ain't nobody got time for that. Nope. And what is that hashtag, Katie? That hashtag is ABTV Voltron. So, if you're in the live chat, we've got you. If you're in the hashtag, we also have you. Uh, like we said, the hashtag is forever. So make sure if you have a link, if you have something you want us to see, throw it in that hashtag. We do check it all week. If you have fan soundtracks for characters, <laughs> seriously, link those Spotify playlists or those YouTube playlists in the hashtag. I love those, and that's how I discover new music. Mm -hmm. And I think you and I have homework. We have to make fan soundtracks by next week. Uh, consider it done. <laughs> <laughs> Just start it off with Pompeii and roll. Sounds good to me. All I right. mean, technically, if you think about it, we've been doing that all, the all along with our opening song. <laughs> we really have. I have no regrets. There's probably a couple repeats because we have very particular taste, but you know what? It's fun. It's fun. Everything's fun. But before we get started on that fun, we have one more announcement for you guys. 
Hey guys, before we move on, uh, we just wanted to say thank you so much for making us the ESPN of TV talk. For us to continue to grow, we could use your help. If you're on YouTube right now, hit that thumbs up button and subscribe. And if you're on iTunes, please give us a five-star rating. But no matter where you are, leave us a comment so you can get involved in the conversation. Being a part of AfterBuzz TV has meant so much to all of us, and we truly appreciate you supporting us in doing what we love. Don't forget to tell your friends and keep on enjoying our shows. Thank you guys. We we love getting to talk about this show every week, so it really does mean a lot to us yeah and it really helps us it helps us bring guests on it helps bring producer attention to the show like that is a really good way for you to support us and we'll talk about the other way you can support us halfway through the show so stick around for that in the meantime let's talk about some general social awkwardness oh my gosh i gotta say the opening of the grudge is it's so great getting slice of life stuff from our ensemble cast yeah. Because we we fell in love with these characters last season when we were focusing on the Earth episodes. And so, you know, now that the, our, our paladins made it back to Earth and that Sendak has been taken care of and they're back in space and everything like that, the focus has been back on Voltron. So it's really nice to take some time to look at these guys again. And, and oh, it's so nice. It's so nice getting development from all of these guys. And this addition to our ensemble cast, we have Aksha, who was a Galra general and then a free agent and is now working with the crew of the Atlas and kind of sticks out like a sore thumb. Just, she tries, but she does not socialize well. And that's kind of our thread for this episode in between. This, this is our B story thread is... I have it in my notes as Aksha doesn't socialize because if I can make a terrible Green Lantern reference, I will. So we have Veronica doing her absolute best to try to loop Aksha into these conversations. Hey, did you ever have a pet? Hey, come join us for lunch. Hey, this and every single time no one really knows how to handle it. Like, well, we didn't keep pets, but uh, one of my companions was bonded with an immortal cat that allowed her to experience the world. And then when she was murdered, we had to ditch the cat so we couldn't keep track. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, there's no way to follow up this story. But was it a cute cat? <laughs> I mean, yes. <laughs> Does Kova have his own Instagram? <laughs> like, would Nardi have been the type of person to give Kova an Instagram? I feel like Kova would more have a Twitch stream. Hmm. I... Go on. <laughs> well, you know, people do live streaming for Twitch all the time, and people do slice of life streams and whatnot. It's not all video games. And given that she's basically, Nardi was able to see through Kova, I can see that becoming just like, hey, guys, we're going on a mission, so we're going to strap the GoPro to the head of the cat. Let's check this out. Please do not ever put a GoPro <laughs> on the head that. of your cat. Don't do that. Don't do that. Um, I don't care if your cat is immortal or not. That's not something you do. It is sad because um, it, it's interesting uh, that we Kova gets brought up. You know, they're having this really cute discussion about pets. And Iverson has this really touching story about this dog he grew up with. And then and the shoulder injury that he got as a result of it. Yeah. And then, uh, and then, yeah, we bring up Kova again, who nobody here knows. The You know, nobody in the scene knows Kova's fate. But we as the audience know Kova's gone. Yep. Which we, we like to think that Kova noped out of that situation, but uh Which it it makes I, I'm legitimately wondering, um because I know I I was very confused about 
um, how Kova Kova exited this series. I, I was a little bit confused as to why, but it's interesting foreshadowing when you look at what Hanerva ends up doing in episode six. You know, that's true. She she kills. Oh God, you're right. She kills Kova in episode two, and then she ends up killing the Guardian in the following episode. So, including Kova in this conversation, not only are we highlighting Aksha's sort of social ineptitude, but it's also kind of a reminder to the audience: Hey, remember what happened to that cat? You're about to see more of it. Onerva is really no good longer foreshadowing. <laughs> Onerva is no longer allowed to adopt cats. No, she doesn't. She can't handle the lion. She can't handle the Guardian. She can't can't handle her own vaguely immortal house cat like no 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 she doesn't get to be a pet owner anymore she's done i think that's a fair assessment yeah but um in terms oh go ahead i just i want to talk about this lunch scene while we're talking about the awkwardness of this all because people in chat are joking about oh it's aksha's first day of school she's an exchange student from the galra empire yeah this lunch scene reminded me a lot of high school i'm like i feel like everyone has felt this at least once in your life. Like, I'm you at the wrong down. table. Oh, absolutely. Like, when I, at some points in school, I was strictly disinvited. Like, that whole you can't sit with us thing, that happened to me more than once. Oh, my goodness, really? Oh, yeah. No, I just, I wasn't always the amazing person that I am today. So, <laughs> it was more that the popular kids did not want to sit with the self-professed nerd. And you know what? They can do them. I'm doing just fine. But, yeah, so... Aksha getting invited over to sit with this very close-knit group and then just, God bless Leif's daughter. I love her. She's wonderful. Please do not make the, please do not make the person where charisma is their dump stat do the small talk. (laughs) That's, that's the bad thing is this was already an awkward situation and Leif's daughter's solution to the awkward situation is to point out how awkward it is, because surely that won't make it more awkward. And assign a cause. <laughs> like, it's probably, we're probably super awkward because you're Galra, and just, <laughs> Because of how you were born, you know, that thing you have absolutely no control over <laughs> and, just, and didn't ask for. The reactions from everyone else, just Kincaid straight up dropping his food. I, th- I feel like this is the best thing that James Griffin has ever done. Face down in his plate of food as a reaction to what's happening. Just, I would like to hide. There was nowhere to hide. Let's ostrich this. He's uh, he's face planting. And just that, that little shot of Kincaid just sinking in his chair was... Oops. Oh, goodness. <laughs> there goes the phone. <laughs> that shot of Kincaid sinking in his chair was just... It was perfect. Uh, just the reactions for this. Because, again, this is one of those scenes where everyone can relate. Everyone has done at least one part of this, been the person left out, sat at the wrong table, heard someone say something gloriously boneheaded and just not wanted to be in the room anymore out of sheer secondhand embarrassment. This is one of the... Voltron's really good at this. It's really great at its action scenes. It's really great at its character development. But so many war stories overlook the little things that make people people can't say make people human because not everyone is in the show (laughs) but the things that make people people the ridiculously awkward conversations the attempting to reach out to someone you may not have things in common with like these grounding moments voltron excels at those what i love is that 
Aksha isn't trying to be ingratiated in the group, but she's also not overtly trying to push them away. You know, she is just kind of being herself in a weird, you know, in a closed off manner, mind you. But she's not the one, you know, pushing people away. It's just like, hey, you know, I've never fit in. Why should I try? And it's Veronica who's constantly like, hey, come sit with us. Hey, did you have any pets? Like constantly being like, come on, come on, come join the group, come join the group. I I think it would be great. And Aksha's just like not reciprocating. And I, I really appreciate that because in other shows, I feel like characters would be overtly trying to push people away because it's like, no, I don't need any friends. It's it's not like that. It's a, it's a lot more low key than that. It's just like, I've never fit in. Why should I try? Yeah, Aksha's not great at people outside of combat or chain of command situations. Like she was great with Lotor. She was great with the other generals. Like she gets people. But it's the social niceties that are just like, oh, oh no, no. I, I mean, sure, let's let's give this the old boot camp try because I don't think Galra College exists. But <laughs> well, the the only people she's really been connected with are, you know, are in this case now her enemies and or the, dead or dead or in another dimension or you know Keith, who's not hanging out with. A lot of, you know, he's not hanging out on the Atlas on a regular basis. Yeah, because at this point, Voltron is still split off. And we we kind of end this thread with the shooting gallery and Aksha reading Veronica being near her as mistrust. Like, oh, she's monitoring me because she doesn't trust me. And Veronica making it very clear, like, I'm trying to reach out to you. I'm trying to bridge this gap. I'm. We don't have to be the best of friends, but... I'm just trying to help you fit in a little here because everyone knows what it's like not to fit in. So she's trying to ease that transition. Well, and also she appreciates that Aksha, you know, Aksha's definitely made wrong choices in the past, but she's like, you're the type of person who's trying to turn their life around and do the right thing. And I think everybody here would appreciate getting to know that person. Yeah. And I think it also says a lot about um, Aksha's past that, you know, friendliness is seen as manipulation as opposed to human outrage. I feel like that's the point where we just kind of jazz hands at Lotor a little bit. Yeah. Because because he, very, very high charisma stat, did not always use those powers for good. Well, yeah. And again, he was one of the only people in her life that ever respected her. And it was all in a manipulative fashion. Yeah. And once he went off the deep end, that became pretty clear. Like, yep, going to kill all the Galra. I'm like, oh, that includes me? I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> Hard pass. Hard pass. And Aksha wondering if the Galra can even change. And I find that observation interesting on the heels of the prisoner's dilemma. Mm, yeah. Where we had Warlord Lawn and can they change? Well, we're seeing explicitly now that we can that it's I trust them now and I encourage you all to do the same. Not we're doing this, it's an order, but encouragement. So I think yes, especially from what we've seen of the Galra, like they're the Fire Nation. There's some issues coming from the top down, but not everyone is a terrible person. Yeah, it's it's difficult to try to change when you are, as Aksha says, born and bred in war. Mm-hmm. But there's always there's always the possibility for change. And that's what that's what they're giving her right now. And so that's really it's cool to see that develop. Well and it dovetails really nicely with the end of the episode with yeah! Aksha making that point to Zethrid. Like 
Like, <laughs> it, yeah. it comes so full circle. So let's talk a little bit about our A story then, because we're coming back around to this. And uh, Voltron is able to give the Atlas the information about, hey, the Robies teleport is not the right word. Wormhole. It's basically space teleporting. Uh, it's a space bridge hashtag, for you Transformers fans. Yes. Hashtag space teleporting. Uh, but Voltron's able to pass on this information and a map of where all of the Robies are. And it turns into, well, you know, let's have a rendezvous. Let's plan. Let's get this figured out. Where are we going to meet? Over here at this time. Great. Let's go. And then we get a communication from Voltron saying, ah, we're, we're having some technical difficulties. We'll be delayed. Give it a couple hours. We'll keep you updated. And then we cut back to Voltron and see, why did Shiro change the rendezvous point? This sucks. As it's the Balt, Balt, I wrote it down and I can't pronounce it. The Baltif Nebula was the initial place and the new place is just hell. (laughs) Is that the official term? The technical term? Yeah, let's call it hell. (laughs) I mean, we can name a town in Michigan that. I'm sure we can name an entire planet that. Sure. It's hell planet. Uh, low oxygen and high CO2, which is basically you have a breathing tank or you die slowly. Mm-hmm. So this sounds like a really great place to be, except when it's not, because it's an ambush. Mm-hmm. Which red flags immediately when you see how inhospitable the planet is. Yeah, like, Shiro picked this? Why? <laughs> Are you okay? Is there some clone issue going on that we need to know about? I have a like, lot of crew. <laughs> I have a lot of questions. We have, and the questions were all, no, it wasn't actually Shiro. It's a guy with a voice modulator. Can we talk about this Olkari a little bit? Can we? Yes. Does because he have a name? <laughs> I don't. I'm sure one was given to him in the credits, but uh, they don't refer to him by name in either of these two episodes. And in the subtitles, because oftentimes if someone has a name and they're talking off screen, we'll get name says a thing in the subtitles, which I really appreciate. Thank you, Netflix, for having good, solid subtitles. And at one point we had him talking off screen and it was just Olkari says something. So, so as far as we can tell, he doesn't have a name. But if anybody happens to have his name, leave it in the, the live chat and let us know. Yeah, the live chat, the hashtag somewhere. Because the other thing that, re- well, for one, the, I loved the voice acting for him. Uh, I have no idea who does his voice, but it was great. It was spot on. And it, I, I appreciated... When when it comes to universal voice modulators, it's very easy to go the Scream 3 route and to have it just be like, no, I don't accept this. This is too ridiculous. But for some reason, in the context of this cartoon, I'm like, nah, I buy it. Because he's Olkari, and we have established the Olkari's technological pedigree since season, I don't know, three? Two or three? Ever since Greening the Cube, and I don't remember if that was season two or season three, but that was a while ago. Yeah. I would not have hated it, though, if Roger Jackson's voice came out of that voice modulator. But that's that wasn't his plan. You know, yep, I'd take it. I would absolutely take yeah. But that doesn't quite work for the ruse here. No. Also, uh, we have to bring up the fact that he has Rolo's hat. Why does he have Rolo's hat? Because Rolo is super dead. Yeah, okay. We couldn't I, afford Norman Reedus, so we killed his character I, off screen. I don't know. I'm sure that's not the reason. Somebody, but somebody I don't know. brought up, um, and I, I wish I could remember the Twitter post um, that I saw, um, but somebody on Twitter brought up the fact that a lot of the people that were brought up in the game show episode, um, you know, during that round where Lance had to guess the people's names, a lot of them were dead. And Rolo was 
one of those people. And then we, when we fast forward to the end of the season and we're cutting back to a lot of Earth stuff, Rolo is nowhere to be seen. This is true. We have Nyma and Beezer, but Rolo is... Rolo's not there. And then we fast forward even further to this episode, and this random space pirate has his hat. I feel like the keywords here are space pirate. Yeah. Run by Zethrid, who yeah. has been merciless from the get-go. I'm pretty sure Rolo is super yeah, dead. There's, there's nothing overt here. There's nothing overt to confirm or deny. I mean, it could be that the worst tragedy to befall Rolo is simply that he lost his hat. But and I that's think Volcari <laughs> picked it up and went, "Yeah, I'm keeping but this." I think the implication is that this character's dead, and that's really sad. That's a really sad subtextual thing to just have in the background of the show. And again, it's not in the forefront to like overtly make you sad. But if you pick up on it, you're like, "Oh man." I think most of chat didn't pick up on this because there's a lot of screaming and pressing. Yeah, a lot of people are like, what? When did he die? What? No, what? Well, that's the thing. It's uh, not an on-screen death, but it's a really good way of highlighting just how how devastating these conflicts have been in Voltron's absence. And Princess Ponies pointed out, we haven't seen Rolo since the time skip. We had three years where things occurred and Voltron was not there for them and things just absolutely went to pieces so yeah that's not good (laughs) sabrina says hi and chat says there's a theory that rolo was killed and one of the creators drew one of rolo's last moments i'm gonna need some sources cited on that one like i just if if anyone has a link to this please throw it in the hashtag the chat will not let you put links in there you have to be an admin for that but I could, yeah, I could definitely see that being something that, you know, because they they've talked about in the past on on our show about, you know, wanting to do more stuff with the Voltron Coalition, but not necessarily having the time for it. So yeah. I could definitely see that being something that they just didn't have time for, but that they wanted to do. And so they kind of put these little clues in there to be like, well, this was a scene we wanted to put in, but like we didn't have the time for it. So like you can pick up on it, though, if you're if you're an eagle eyed viewer. Yeah, the very, very heavy implication here is that he did. Which is sad. And R.I.P. Norman <laughs> Well, and he was probably killed by these pirates, because how else do you get the hat? Maybe it was on some interstellar trade market, we don't know, but the heavy implication is that Rolo was killed by these space pirates. Hashtag yikes. Yeah. Dibs on the hat. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. Thank you for the sad Price is Right tuba. I appreciate that. (laughs) Oh, the price was wrong, Norman. Oh, Oh, no. Bob Barker just punched someone into a hole of golf. (laughs) Oh, no. The price is wrong. Well, I mean, again, that's all speculation, so we should probably move on. Yeah, but it's some pretty dang fun speculation. So (laughs) we, we have this unnamed Olkari, whom several people in the chat are calling Bob, so let's go with Bob <laughs> I like for Bob. now. So, uh, I, I want to know, yeah, guys, what's your headcanon for what happened to Rolo? <laughs> Let us know. Uh, we have that already in chat from Cat H. Rolo died saving Matt when he was telling Sam and Earth that Voltron was gone. Oh. I, I, mean, I both love and hate that. It's beautiful. And Firebad Tree Pretty says, Nolan North voiced the Okari tech. That makes that sense. That explains it. 
That makes sense. <laughs> and I missed with the table here. Maybe not do that anymore. Yeah, because we've had Nolan North around. He's been Sam from the get-go, but uh, okay. That makes sense. That's the Nolan North voice that I'm accustomed to hearing. That's why. Yeah. I love this tech. I love... Just seeing him on the ship and all the different things he's keeping tabs on and using the voice modulator. And I love watching him screw it up. Well, because eventually the voice stops being enough. As the longer the conversation goes on, the less likely you are to be able to keep up the deception, depending on how much you know about the person. And so he starts using really formal language that really doesn't sound like Keith. And then, oh, yeah, Lance will fix it. Right. Lance, the navigational genius. Affirmative. Do Okari not understand sarcasm, or is that just Bob? It might just be Bob. It might just be Bob. You know, we probably shouldn't call him Bob, because that's the name of the god oh, figure. Oh, that's right. That's the Elemist. Oh, guys, we need a we need a different name for the Alkari. Uh, Joe. Let's go with Joe. <laughs> Joe's we fine. Joe, do we? I don't think so. I don't Maybe think we Alan. Have a Joe. Alan. <laughs> Shoot. Now he's Alan. Okay, he's Alan now. He's Alan. Okay. Um, but yeah. but yeah, I mean it, it because he doesn't pick up on uh, the so, sort of social cues that Veronica, and also he has no way of knowing that Veronica is Lance's sister, and that Aksha, who knows Keith pretty well at this point, or as well as you can know somebody like that, uh, given the circumstances, like they can pick up enough that this doesn't seem right. Something seems fishy about this. Yeah, just, yeah. And also not picking up on sarcasm. Yeah. Like, I thought that was a universal language. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe not on Alcarion. Um, But what I love about this is that it was a completely different strategy than what the than the last time we saw the space pirates because yeah. the the last time we saw the space pirates they could go in and just take people down through brute force. Their forces are are much more diminished this time around so they have to rely on subterfuge and that creates a really interesting scenario that we have on this desolate planet well and i don't think they had uh, alan with them beforehand <laughs> no and I don't now think we so. have somehow recruited alan and that's, that's his name now <laughs> gonna get used to it it's alan now i'm wondering whether or not he bailed on the planet before uh, before the Roe Beast attacked and destroyed it. I'm going to go with yes, because I don't think it's been too terribly long since the Roe Beast wrecked Ocarion. Yeah. And it sounds like Alan has been with the pirates for a chunk of time. So he was probably out just doing his own thing and, yeah, it turns out your planet's gone. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. Eh, these things do happen. These things do They were a bunch of stiffs anyway. I'm having a better time out here. Like, I think that's a fair assessment. Yeah. But yeah, and this is what prompts Curtis, hi Curtis, to look into the communication and realize that, oh no, there's a ghost protocol originating from somewhere else and Voltron's communications are being blocked. And just that moment where all of the distress messages come up on screen at the same time. Ooh, yeah. And it's five voices overlaid with each other multiple times yelling about, it's a trap, we need support, where are you? That just, was excellent sound design. It was a good is, chilling moment. Oh, yeah. No, that just the absolute worst thing that could happen. And you're hearing it go down and going, oh, God, we are multiple hours late to this. They could already be dead. Mm-hmm. So just everything we got from the Atlas this episode was so good. And that said, 
let's go follow Voltron. Yeah! Let's go follow Voltron onto the Hell Planet, where the lions are caught. They have to leave the lions not to be captured. And then it turns out that they're being tracked because their encryption protocol has been hacked, has been targeted, and anyone who has it can tell exactly where they are. Thanks, Alan. <laughs> yeah, no. And I love that we get this, and then we cut later to Alan's. It's like, oh, okay, oh, that, that, expla- that explains how. Like, all right, all right, there's an Ilkari on board. We're all host. Great. And we're and just... Losing that a little well, bit. I it, love this it episode creates, so much. It creates an interesting time limit, you know, because yeah. they have to ditch their armor, which makes all of them, they all have like a very quick expiration date now. So yeah. having to run around on this planet um, while evading the pirates and having to figure out how, how long you can stay alive, it, 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 it creates, like I said, it creates a very interesting scenario. Yeah. And I I loved the line about, well, we won't survive without our armor. Well, at this rate, we won't survive much longer with it. And so, of course, we run and we split the party, whether we like to or not. I don't know why Keith peeled off on his own from the get-go. I don't think they ever really addressed that. Because the next time we cut to the paladins, he's gone. And the other four are moving on and falling through holes in the ground. Because this planet is hell. I don't know. I got nothing. <laughs> I don't either. I, I feel like they figured the more that they split up, the I have no idea. And Well, Keith is the only one that was still armed. Ah. He had his blade. There you go. So that, that was probably part of it was, I'll take my armor. I can still be armed without my Bayard. I'll go this way. You guys go this way. Hopefully they'll follow me instead. And instead we get, we'll track them the old-fashioned way. And the pirates split the party as well and go after them. And I just, I loved watching all of this. I loved that the two that went after Hunk and Keith wound up the victims of full-on predator traps. (laughs) That was pretty great. I mean, that's exactly what they were with the swinging log and the nooses and the, it was predator. Yeah, it was. Except the humans are the predators now. It was kid-friendly predator. It really was. Like, yeah, we're not going the next couple of steps for this one. We we have them hanging upside down, and that's enough. See, I really loved um, Lance and Allura. I yes. I really appreciated this. Um, and and the show isn't really dwell. It hasn't really been dwelling too too much on the fact that they're a couple in this episode. But like, I kind of loved a little bit of the subversion in this moment because Lance goes like, "Go, Alora! Like, get out of here! Like, I'll save yourself. I'll yeah, I'll fend I'll fend them off." And we get a throwback to Altaian camouflage in this moment. And oh yeah, Altaians have super strength, and that was that was phenomenal. Just seeing her jump out of the shadows like that. I feel like most because we don't see it happen very often. Most of the audience tends to forget like. Oh, yeah, they can do camouflage. Oh, yeah, they have super strength. We Back in season one, we saw her yeet Shiro through a doorway. Like, Even a, a couple seasons ago, like, she full on... What's the what's the wrestling term? It's not suplex, but she, like, threw Lotor. So hard he bounced. <laughs> he did. <laughs> Alora is just the princess of yeeting people, and I love it so much. And uh, I, it almost makes me feel bad for the space pirates. <laughs> almost. <laughs> almost. But they were going to do some murders, so, uh, yeah. So that's what you get. 
And I love that one of the space pirates that we had was yet another callback. It was the one that was hunting Matt and Pidge way back when during that reunion episode. Yeah, that was, was like, a gr- that was a great callback too. Oh, but yeah. It shows what he's doing now. He was a lone bounty hunter, and now he's hanging out with these pirates. I I love the world building in this episode because it's like there are so many individual stories going on outside of Voltron. It it just makes the world feel richer and and more believable. And in that way, it it kind of reminds me a little bit of Z Nation in terms of we're following this crew in particular, but we get to see all these cross sections of life when they come across them. Like we definitely have our main A plot, but then we run into someone and go, oh, wait, I've seen you before. Oh, yeah, you're still around. You're this person. You're doing this. Vrepit Sal is the cafeteria person on the Atlas, and I love that. <laughs> yeah, I. whenever we get little bits like that from the ensemble cast, I just imagine somebody going, not everything's about you, Voltron. <laughs> <laughs> there is life outside your lions. You just don't ever see it. <laughs> Our lives don't revolve around you. <laughs> I mean... Kind of. Like, wait a minute, wait a minute. The camera follows you guys? Okay, then. We'll just not be on camera. And then you see Rolo's hat and realize that not being on camera does not mean you're safe. Nope. Nope. <laughs> uh, war stories. It's not like Scream 2. A lot of Scream callbacks this episode. Anyway. <laughs> I had no problem with it. A lot of horror movie callbacks. Scream, Predator. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, so, yeah. we should Terminator get with... Molten mo- molten lava. Uh, we should we should talk about the the big reveal. Who's we behind all this? It's Zethrid, and I'm. I don't understand why she took off her helmet on this carbon monoxide laden planet. But you do you. Let's have some drama. I let's I, have a dramatic volcano side battle. I mean, it's possible that Galra aren't as subs- as susceptible to that type of atmosphere. But it also, I, I feel like she also just has a flair for the dramatic in this moment. Because here she is, she feels like all she has left is her anger. And so she's like, yeah, I'm blaming all of my problems on you, even though you're not to blame. <laughs> well, and screaming, you took Ezor from me. And we were both sitting here going, did, did she die? Did Ezor die? Where is she? I don't remember yeah, her dying in this last episode. You're definitely meant to believe that Zethrid has gone off the deep end because Ezor did not survive that explosion. And you completely buy that because you see half of her face has been burned. Mm-hmm. So it's like that that explosion last season had consequences. And so you're led to believe that Ezor is dead. So you're like, oh, I, I get where Zethrid is coming from. It's not until Aksha comes back that you're like, Oh, it's not like that. Oh, she just hasn't recovered from their breakup. The space pirate lesbians had a falling out. They did. And they are space pirate lesbians, and I have not had space pirate lesbians since Vandred, so I'm very happy about this. I love that they didn't dance around it. Like, they are a couple. I, I love that. And, um, it, yeah, it, it was really cool seeing Aksha be like, no, it's because you refuse to let things go. It pushed Ezor away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just to, and it, it's such a rational thing, too, when a relationship doesn't work out, that one party wants to look at someone or something to blame, and she blamed Keith. Well, yeah, they got hecked up by the paladins and then everything fell apart. Like, it's easy to be like, this was the last big event in our life before that. You did it. It's your fault. As opposed to, maybe we broke up for other reasons. Is it me? No, it's the paladins that are wrong. (laughs) 
touch. Am I so out of touch? Yes, yes, you are. You're out of touch with your own emotions. <laughs> and I loved Aksha just trying to talk her down, and we bring the can Galra change back around full circle. Like, yes, I believe you can. Like, she'll never take me back. She, she might. Have you had that conversation? Can, can <laughs> you, you chill? Have you tried texting her? <laughs> yes. Um, Just and, send her a string of emojis. And it's it's a really good, again, talking about how the episode comes full circle, it's Veronica's sharpshooting ability mm-hmm. that diffuses the situation. And Keith, for the second time in, two, in three episodes, is like, nope, gonna save this Galra that was just trying to kill me. Well, it, it there's... I feel like there's a lot he has in common with the with with Lotor's generals. He's a half breed too, and he gets looked down on. Uh, he's gotten looked down on in the past by both people on his own team and from people in the Galra. So, it, like, it makes sense if anybody's if anybody has the ability to reach out and catch her, metaphorically speaking, it's Keith because he understands what they're going through, and also literally, and to also keep literally her from being a crispy critter. <laughs> yep. That so too. we we somehow managed to haul her out of there, despite the fact that she's twice as big as literally everyone on the ground, except for maybe Shiro at this he point. He had help. <laughs> yeah. He had help. Yeah, and we, I love that we've taken all of the space pirates onto the ship, but really the only two that matter are Alan and Zethrid. Yeah. <laughs> and we have Ezor back at the end. Like, I have no idea where they picked her up, but here she is. She's come by to say hi. <laughs> Asha and, still had her number. Yes. <laughs> Just texting, found your ex. She's super mad and also very sad. Hey, you Wanna busy? Want to talk to her? <laughs> you up? <laughs> <laughs> you busy right now? Like, we could, we should go for coffee. Um, so your ex tried to kill us. Do you uh, do you want to talk to her? <laughs> I I really, I really loved bringing um, Azor back. Like, it... It was such a relief because we I, I, I don't want to bring like a controversial opinion into it, but after Adam last season, um, you know, I think a lot of people like it was very easy to jump to the conclusion that Ezor had been killed. Yeah. And I, I like there was uh, my heart broke in that moment because I was like, oh, no, not again. Um, but then bringing her back around at the end of this episode, it made my heart sing. I was like, yes. Yes, yes, our lesbian space pirates maybe can have a happy ending if they can work it out. It seems like they're working on that, yeah. so huzzah. Woohoo! <laughs> so I really did, I appreciated the hell out of this episode. Me I too. always love it when a long-running series, and it is long-running by this point in time, can bring back older characters, can bring things back around, can have some character development, can have some off-screen development like we talked about. The world doesn't stop when the camera leaves the planet. It's just, it's so nice. It is. This was very well done, very well ended, just good execution. Mm-hmm. You have anything else to say about it? Uh, just that all of this development feeds really well into the next episode. Well, before we get on to that one, we, uh, we're going to talk to you guys a little bit about iTunes. That is along with heading to the channel, along with subscribing and doing all of that fun stuff that we talk to you about at the top of the episode. iTunes is the other really good way to support this show. Um, It gets, it helps us rise in the podcast ranks if you rate us, if you leave comments, all of that fun stuff. So when people search for Voltron in iTunes podcasts, they find us up towards the top. So helps us get new listeners, helps us get guests, helps with the production, all of that fun stuff. So head over to iTunes, rate us five stars because there are five lions and that's the only way you can form Voltron. And uh, leave a comment. 
We like to give shout outs when you do. Uh, yeah, a special shout out on iTunes to Katie Holt is my queen uh, on iTunes, uh, who gave us five stars. Love you so much. This is an amazing podcast and love y'all so much. I will truly miss this. We will too. And thank you so, so much, Katie. Is Katie Holt is my queen. Yeah, thank I you. I agree with your choice and characters. Mm-hmm. I concur with that assessment. Yes. So and thank you guys. And we've got Jason Calera in chat saying, first time seeing the stream live. Oh, hi! hi. Welcome! Welcome! Good times and great oldies. <laughs> and a ding. Let's head over to our next episode. Let's, Let's do uh, it. This is why we picked Pompeii as our opening song. Yeah. Things because escalate very, very quickly. Genesis is where things go down. Mm-hmm. And we start with, we finally manage this rendezvous with um, Voltron and Atlas. So uh, let's talk about what's going on. And what's going on is robeasts, robeasts everywhere. Yeah. Uh, Hunerva's finally putting her plan into motion. And they're able to figure out, oh, you know, uh, looking at all of this data, we can figure out they are coming from Orion. And they're on all these different planets. And right now they're just kind of chilling with particle barriers around them. Nothing is happening what do we need to do? And I love all these different plans that are thrown out. We need to go try and take care of the Robies. We need to go after Onerva. We need to stay the course. Like, I love all these different schools of thought and how they're all presented equally and they all come together for a multi-part plan. Mm -hmm. Like, I appreciate this. I think some of the most interesting scenes in these last couple seasons are just the boardroom where they're all just kind of going over the information that they have and trying to figure out what to do next. Yeah, and how the different plans that they present really reflect the different characters. Like, Alora really wants to go after Onerva. She wants this problem taken care of, and she is super mad. She finally found out there are more Altaeans, and they're still being used. Yeah. Like, this family line is really good at using Altaeans. <laughs> yeah. Where Shiro is looking at a much larger, uh, what he considers to be the bigger picture or at least a different aspect of it. We're staying the course. We're doing what we need to do. And then there's the whole, hey, we have a bunch of Robies on these different planets. Should we, uh, should we address that? Should we take care of that maybe? Yeah, it's, it's interesting getting like the humanitarian perspective. Like our, our focus should be on search and rescue um, and evacuation versus like, well, if we just go and take care of the problem, then we won't have to evacuate any more planets. So yeah, it's, it's interesting seeing like where our priorities should be going. And then in the middle of our boardroom, the, uh, in the middle of our boardroom scene, it's, it's time to go. Yeah. Let's get this party started. The decision sort of gets made for them. It's like, okay, yeah. go to Orient. <laughs> Because we know that she's got the cubes, that they're able to refract energy and generally strengthen a signal, and she's got all these different planets with all these different robies that we know can siphon an entire planet's quintessence. Look at what happened to Alcarion. So basically, we are going to murder a bunch of planets to power up a galaxy-killing machine. Because that's what this looks like it is. We've created a giant Komar, and we can murder entire galaxies at a go because Vampiric Touch is a terrifying spell to have. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're working with here. So then we wind up with this three-pronged plan. The rebels are going to go and take care of evacuation, make sure they know that they're not getting any backups, <laughs> which is just like... Have fun with the evacuations, guys. All the firepower is going this way. Best of luck. <laughs> See ya. 
And yeah, Voltron and Atlas heading to Oran to kind of meet the problem at its source. And I love that we keep cutting back to Slav and all of the different reality manipulations. And well, <laughs> if it's this, it's this. And if it's this, it's this. What color are your socks? Yeah, I feel like the he was like the only source of comedy in this episode because it was very serious and very high stakes. And even, <laughs> but it was really great to be like, to just get a little bit of Slav back. He's one of my favorite characters. Like, when they first introduced him, he kind of drove me bonkers, but... In the same way he sh- drove uh, Shiro bonkers. Yeah, there's there's only so much you can work with all of what happens with him. But again, he's he's fun. He's a lot of fun. And for him, this is serious. What color are your socks? Because that determines what reality we're in. And someone who is so tapped into the idea of different realities and how they change and how the tiniest things can make the biggest differences. Turns out you really need someone like that in this mm-hmm. season because we are le- we're leaning into this multiple realities thing so hard we're horizontal. Yeah, and to the point where it starts becoming overtly that towards the end of the episode um, with Hanerva. And I... I have to say that's one of my favorite sequences in the in the episode is just Honerva starting to open up the different realities. Yes, and just seeing her flashing back and forth up and down her timeline. Yeah. Um I I wish uh, we had had the time to just go through it frame by frame because there are quick flashes of the different iterations of her throughout her life. It's done very quickly, but it's it's a really cool effect. Yeah, I picked up on three. I picked up on Young Onerva, I picked up on Hagar, and I picked up on, you know, current times. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was, it was so cool to watch. Oh, yeah. No, all of this was absolutely beautiful in this utterly horrifying fashion. Because nope. we're, we're approaching Okarion, we're expecting the Guardian... Nope, nope, more Robeasts. Where the heck has the Guardian been this entire time? Uh, This is where that bit of foreshadowing we were talking about with Kova comes into play, which, again, I didn't realize it was foreshadowing until we we watched through these episodes again. Yeah. Wow. And my notes say, hey, we found the Guardian, just in time for it to be horribly murdered. Yeah. Like, we have all this quintessence from all these other planets, we summon up the Guardian somehow, we completely murder it she sucks it dry and that's how she's able to rip open realities like all of this is a conduit through onerva everything that has been built on oriand the cubes the the robies there we are that's the word everything that's happening because she wants her kid back yeah that is what we we have so much good combat here. We have Atlas in full giant robot mode. We have a character death scare that, uh, Rizavi is my queen, and I was yeah. terrified. Oh, man. I'm so glad they made it out of that. Okay. Well, like, yeah, is, she's she's one of my favorites. So I'm like, the, ah. Yeah, and it's the first time that we've seen an MFE fighter take a hit like this. Usually they're in and out and doing pretty well for themselves. And this time it's, nope, I'm hit. All my systems are hecked up. I'm having trouble. And I'm sitting here going, oh, God, they're going to kill her. No, 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 no. They kill Rizavi, we riot. (laughs) Yeah, kind of. Like, I was not okay with that. I would have been very upset. (laughs) And just, we have this rapidly mounting tension because Voltron is out of this fight. They're already through the white hole. We have two Robies and they're causing so much trouble. And we have a cell block breach. 
Yeah. We have the prisoners coming up to the bridge. So there's all these different shields are low. They're locking onto us. They're draining our quintessence. And the hull is being breached. And you can just watch this tension mounting and watching the expression on Shiro's face with, we don't have time for this, but here we are. And it's Zethrid and Ezor and Alan. And it's, please let Alan help. I don't <laughs> want us to die. He's Holkari. He can do this. Please let Alan help. It is funny thinking that he could have escaped from that cell at any time <laughs> prior to this. Um, oh, yeah. But they're yeah. trying to earn brownie points. And it's like, let's let's not. But, let's not. But this is what I was talking about. It's really cool seeing that development get some immediate payoff. It's like now... you she doesn't need revenge anymore it's like you can just like lieutenant lawn it's like you can be a part of something bigger now and they are yeah and it just that she came they all came in with their hands up or at least the one that wasn't in a sling just saying we're in a terrible situation my tech can help let him we're not trying to take over the bridge we're not, we want to live it's not too late to change Yay! And this gives us the breathing room that we need with the full-on Naruto cloning technique. Yeah. <laughs> it gives us... That was fantastic. Yeah, and it gives us the breathing room to get Rizavi back on the Atlas to maybe turn this fight around a little bit. So just... This, this was so great to watch. Mm -hmm. On the edge of my seat for this entire fight... Because of that tension, because of these multiple parts, and again, please don't kill my queen. I well, love her. And, and we know the the sort of devastation that one of these row beasts have. Oh yeah, like, and so having multiple ones in play is is downright terrifying. Yeah, we we have established that a single row beast is a match for Voltron, and yep. we have two in play here, multiples in play on the planet, like massive problems. Voltron is no longer the be-all and end-all most powerful thing in this universe. And then you open up the portal and bring Lotor's mech into, back into play. The Syncline is back. Yeah. And the Syncline is berserkering. Yeah. Like, takes out Voltron. And I can't say I'm surprised because Voltron's been through a lot in this fight already, having to try to fend off two Robeasts. And then we have the Syncline back evidently doing its own dang thing rex voltron divides the lions and then when this oh we have merla who we've met before and we have this other altaian pilot who's Ooh. there and he goes in like oh lotor has returned let's go try to help him out and merla figures out pretty quickly that something is off. wrong because this We've seen how Lotor pilots the Syncline when he's in control, even when he's berserkering in the quintessence field. He's a very analytical thinker. He's very strategic. This is some barbarian brutality. This is um, episode two of Evangelion when you see what happens when when the Ava unit goes berserker for the first time. Oh, yeah. That's, that's what it is. And I, I love this moment, too, because... I, it makes me feel like, you know, there's more to Marla than we're seeing. And the other thing is that they've known Lotor as this benevolent... God. Yeah, this this very benevolent figure. And so to see the, the mech that he's piloting in berserker mode, you can justify it as, well, it's Voltron and they're the bad guys. But you can tell immediately that she's like, something is off about this. Yeah, and I like that she's like... Obviously, they've all been a little brainwashed. You know, we're, we're in a cult. We're, there's no real good way to get out of it. 
But even then, she's still intelligent enough to go, wait a minute, this is incorrect. Something is wrong. Something is off. And trying to call back her pillow, her pillow pilot, <laughs> her fellow pilot, when he goes to try to support Lotor. And that ends in his immediate and horrible death. That was really grisly. And showing that the Syncline is also a match for these Robeasts. Yeah. Even though it's been in the quintessence field for God knows how long, there has been no mechanical breakdown here. It's terrifying. Yeah. Just watching it go. And that it I immediately wonder if it's just been on... absorbing quintessence like a sponge. Probably. Eek. And that, that that it just immediately turns on, presumably, its allies. So this this is a bad situation for everyone involved here. And Alora takes the moment to go, wait, this is all going through Onerva. I can take her out now. Which has been her objective this entire time. Yeah. Because we have to stop Onerva. Yeah, and all the lions are down and unresponsive, but Blue landed close enough that Alora's going, you know what? Let's do it. Opportunity knocks and I am answering. And she goes after Onerva. And we have this conversation in the void. Because Onerva is a little broken. She's magic, yes. <laughs> her, her, in terms of her character balance, she is a little broken. And she could essentially stop this moment, put Alora in this void where we can have a couple minutes worth of conversation. And we do all of this, join me, and together we can rule the galaxy as father and son. <laughs> what the hell ever. <laughs> but she also makes the very, very good point that right now, I am the only thing controlling Lotor. Like, the Syncline went after the Red Lion, and she's she stopped him. Right before right before Alora got to her. I am mixing up names. There are so many three-syllable <laughs> names that end in A on this show. But yeah, she's like, I'm the only thing keeping my son from killing your friends. Um, what? And so Alora has to make a split-second decision. Stop Minerva now and lose my friends. And namely specifically Lance, lose Lance. Um, or... You know, give her, give Hanerva enough time to, to run away. And she makes the latter decision, and we see her just biff the landing, roll, and collapse in a sobbing heap because that's the worst decision. I, the, I, love it's a terrible this decision to have to make. I'm not judging Allura's no, no, decision. No, no, no. I'm saying it, it, you lose either way. No, what well, I love this moment though because you never get a character interaction like this between two female characters in an action show meant for meant for boys very often two women of color yeah i i loved this because i feel like in old voltron there were so many situations where it was like we'll do this or we'll destroy the princess who's immobilized right now and you know they're like okay well we'll we'll have to let you go this time uh and so having having the situation was reversed was so refreshing yeah it's it's bad um, it's bad for all of our characters because Hanerva and Lotor get away. Um, but like I said, I loved seeing this character moment. It was a thing of wonder and beauty and also utterly emotionally devastating. Well, yeah. This whole episode was. That's the thing is that Allura has to live with this choice now. Mm -hmm. Like, so later on, if things get really, really badly, she could look back on this moment and been like, oh, I should have killed Hanerva when I had the chance. But if you kill Anerva, you have the Syncline, which is a berserker right now, going off, all of the lions down, and 
God knows what's happening this, on the other side of the white hole. This was and a no-win situation. And this entire colony of Altaeans and their robeasts watching you having just killed their goddess. Yeah. Like, you're absolutely right. This is a no-win situation. This was a no-win situation, and that's where we leave the episode, was we failed. We failed. I mean, everyone manages to get out before the white hole completely collapses, like, and that was one of those, well, we can't escape. The only thing we can do is wormhole, but we're not leaving Voltron yeah, behind. A Metroid-style, so. uh, we have to escape before, before everything explodes in on itself. But just Shiro's unwavering confidence of, they'll come. They'll arrive. Yep. Like, they will make it here. Like, I know them. They will make it here, and then we'll leave. But all of Oriand is now a ship. So this whole planet's done. This white hole is done. This font of knowledge has been utterly desecrated and now destroyed. And we have Onerva with a ship, a bunch of robeasts, the Syncline, and the upper hand on her way to God knows where. Decisions were made. Decisions yep. were made. So, yeah. Uh, we, we, all of our paladins walk away alive, but at what cost? Yep. Pretty much, which yeah. is a Which is a really good way to leave the episode. But at what cost is basically this episode. Mm-hmm. And it's, oh, this Fantastic. one was just a rough one to watch. It was incredibly well put together. Uh, again, I cut back to the bridge scene with... How just the mounting tension, everything was equally important. And we, throughout it, were also cutting back to the rebels getting these people off of these planets that are being destroyed. Like, you're seeing all of this destruction being wrought across this galaxy and going, oh, oh, this is rough. Yeah, it's it's fascinating to see what lengths Onerva will go to to get what she wants. And what, what she, she wants wanted. is her kid back. Yeah. And yay, she has him. But at what cost? At what cost? Because <laughs> we also get that monologue from Slav talking about time slippage and all these things that are happening and it's screwing up the crystal and it's causing issues. And also, take off your socks. <laughs> yeah. It makes you wonder what sort of repercussions it's going to have on the overall fabric of reality. Because we've specifically said now, it's a tear in the fabric of this reality. It's causing issues. This is bad. Mm-hmm. Or... We're kind of getting into Spider-Verse territory here, and I love it. I love that. <laughs> so much. And we'll talk about that more later once we get further on in the season. And those of you who have seen both know exactly what we're talking about here. And for the, what we are keeping to our own spoiler policy and uh, not touching on that. So for now, do we have anything else to say about these two episodes? Uh, just that I love all the character-driven stuff, the uh, the mech animation in the fights was fantastic. All in all, wonderful. Yeah, wonderful these, set of episodes. These two were incredibly well done. So glad, thank you, Voltron team. I'm, we loved them. I'm also really glad that we got to talk about them back, you know, together as, because they go together really well as they a unit. They really do. Yep. I'm, I'm happy with how all of our episode pairs shook out for this season because sometimes they get a little awkward. But for this, in terms of planning, they shook out extremely well. Yep. So, yeah, that is what we have for this episode. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you for joining in the conversation. Remember, give us your character and your show and your episode music playlists. Throw those in the hashtag for ABTV Voltron. We love seeing new music. I, I personally love putting together soundtracks for characters for people. And, you know, once we have ours made, we'll share those too because... 
That's a super fun thing to do. Sounds good. So yeah, so that's your homework for next week. We will shout out some of our favorites. So throw them in the hashtag ABTV Voltron. And uh, in the meantime, Megan, where can the people find you? Uh, you guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Menguin. That's T H E M E N G U I N. I also do a Lost Retrospective podcast called No Love Lost, so be sure to follow that. Uh, we just dropped a new episode today with a special guest, so be sure to check that out. You can follow Blue Lion Alexis Torres at A Torres eight nine zero, Red Lion Emma Five at Emma Five, and Yellow Lion Mark Donica at Mark B Donica. I'm Katie Cullen. You can follow me all over the social medias as well as on YouTube and Twitch at Kiajet. That is K I A X E T. I also do unboxing videos for Fanversation, and I'm on an Overwatch podcast called On the Point. We had a good episode here on this side of the white hole. We're uh, we're going to go through the other side and see what happens. Catch up with the rest of our crew. In the meantime. Thank you guys so much for watching, and we'll see you next time. Bye! Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later! <laughs> The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.